You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Today's episode of the Live Different Podcast is sponsored by Under 30 Experiences, our travel company for young people. We take groups of 21 to 35-year-olds on awesome adventures all across the world. Um, We have trips to Brazil, Machu Picchu, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Belize. Um, We go deep into the rainforest. We go up to Iceland, to the glaciers and the volcanoes, Ireland, um, Bali, all, all sorts of different places across the world with awesome groups of young people. If you're sick and tired of sitting at home, sitting in front of your desk, waiting for your coworkers to stop going to the boring happy hour after work and drinking their lives away, and you're tired of all of your friends doing boring things at home, probably going to the same bar and doing the same old shit, Come on Under 30 Experiences. This is a great commercial. Really like this one. There, It's a candid community. Um, and we go and have a really good time. And uh, there's no egos, divas, or complainers allowed. So check out under30experiences.com and come travel with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am your host, Matt Wilson, and today I am here with Larissa Alenikoff joining us over Skype. Uh, I, of course, am here in Costa Rica, and she is way out in the Balkans in the capital city of Kosovo. And uh, we wanted to chat a little bit more about her blog, The Blonde gypsy and uh, she has a pretty cool pretty cool inspiring story going off the beaten path uh, doing things that most people do not do and uh, she uh, Larissa I, I appreciate that you were very upfront about this right on the about page of your website about how yes uh, I'm not one of those person who people who sold my stuff and packed it all in and started to uh, you know took off for for Europe etc you've done things a little bit differently so I'm I'm excited to hear your story and how you've you've lived this nomadic lifestyle made it sustainable for yourself and uh, have our listeners get to overhear a, a cool little conversation so welcome Larissa thank you thank you for the invitation Matt of course, of course. Um, so, Larissa, can can you just tell us a little bit about your story about how you came to be the blonde gypsy? Oh well, yes, I can. <laughs> I mean, basically, like I I haven't had a permanent address for God knows how long until now. I'm in Kosovo. This is it's been maybe five years. I mean, I studied in Sweden for a couple years, but the like the main point is, yeah, I just, I like to roam and I don't, I never like to have plans and it's just my travel style. So that mixed with the fact that, you know, I'm a blonde and one and yeah, it was born. But as well, I have to say, cause I think I, luckily I haven't had too much backlash from the Roma community. I've actually had a lot of good feedback and people wanting to work with me and stuff. But, um, my, I'm half Russian and gypsy in my family my grandmother was always she was an entertainer and she would sing gypsy songs and she always like gypsies were always it was the romanticized version of that that like the the ones who just were traveling around like to have fun like to have party sing dance and stuff so it just I don't know it it matched when it's kind of like a tattoo and so I was stuck with it after I chose it and here I am that's that's really cool. Um, I, I'm curious to ask you a little bit more. Um, you know, I never you hear people throwing around the term gypsy all the time, but I never really I, I never give it a, gave it a second thought uh, that this actually is a is a group of people. Um, do you know much about I don't want to call it gypsyism, but uh, about actual gypsies who who do travel and sell things, for example? Um, I had a friend growing up and uh, I, yeah, I had a friend growing up and they always had businesses and he had a, a ton of cousins and they were all in, the, in a certain particular type of, of business and then someone said, like a, a friend of my, my friend went over to his house and 
he got to be close with the family and it actually turned out that they were real gypsies and he said, you know, don't tell anybody. People sometimes, there's a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, people, uh, they have a bad reputation at least in the certain industry that they were in, et cetera. Uh, but could you tell us a little bit more? Do you know much about actual gypsies? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, luckily I've I've been in contact with a lot of people from I mean, and in a lot of different communities, particularly around the Balkans. There's um, a large population. I mean, they're more they have more their own neighborhoods and and areas. They're not traveling, you know, straight per se. But um, no, I mean, it's it's just it's really interesting. It's it's basically, I mean, it's it's a it's a nation without borders, kind of. I don't know how to explain it. Like, in in every community I've been in and met people, it's always a little bit different. So, um, but, you know, they have their own culture, their own traditions. They're amazing musicians. And especially here, um, like in Serbia, you don't go to a wedding and there's not a Roma band playing there. And here in Kosovo, there's a, a couple bands who have been getting a lot of publicity because they're just they're they have like a a lot of talent and yeah there's the negative stereotypes but at the end of the day um you know every culture has negative stereotypes every kind of country has um a bad bad seeds i guess you can say and so no i i mean i'm i don't i'm not active more active but definitely i've i've had uh, the privilege to spend time in in the communities and get a little insight into their life and yeah it's it's fascinating. No, that that's interesting because it's uh, we were talking off uh, of camera and we were talking about how well I was saying that it's a part of the world that I don't know much about uh, the Bal you know I don't know much about the Balkans. Um, can you can you tell me why you you decided to go out there and make this uh, make this your life? Well, I I mean initially it was just curiosity. I just I traveled here the first time. I never in a million years imagined I would be living having my own apartment, living and working in Kosovo out of every country in the world. Um, but no, I mean, basically my first visit to the Balkans was in 2011. I was studying in Sweden and um, there was cheap, cheap flight routes opened up between Malmo where I was living and Belgrade. So that was the first kind of adventure I had down here. I went in um, Serbia, Bosnia and I don't know. I was just, I really, I loved it. And, um, it left such a, a big impression on me that I just couldn't wait to get back. And then, um, I think it was the next year and all of a sudden cheap flight routes opened up to Skopje in Macedonia. So I was assigned. So I went there and I traveled in Macedonia, Kosovo and Albania. And it just, I mean, it's the kind of place where you, you can travel through it and then when you're finished you realize wow there's just so much more to see here um it's and like here especially it's just it's there's so many undiscovered places so um in 2014 i ended up leading a couple of group tours through here because i i had spent enough time and i really just felt like god i want to get people out here and I had such a good, like such good feedback from my blog because this region is lacking information, um, major information on how to travel, like just basic infrastructure things like how to take the bus from here to there were like some of my most popular posts. So I just thought, you know, there's obviously a market for people who are interested in traveling here and to make it as easy as possible for them and fun because I had made all these contacts in the process of my travels. So... Um, yeah, I ended up traveling around here about seven months straight in 2014 um, because I led three group tours and I uh, just kept going. And then, but then I, but I was like, at that time I was straight gypsy. I mean, I maybe stayed like, the longest I stayed in one place was three weeks. But even during that time, I like kept taking, you know, short trips, day trips and stuff that was in Macedonia. Um, and I just, I mean, I realized at the end of that, I was just completely burned out, but 
still in love with the region. It's just, it's such a, it's such a, I've never felt more comfortable kind of in a place. Like, it's just, it's so funny to me. I mean, I, I in another interview, I said, I just, the more time I spend in some of these countries, I, I can't understand why there's so much skepticism to visit because there, I honestly feel safer walking around Pristina Kosovo at any hour of the day than I did in like London, for example, or even Sweden in Malmo. Um, so yeah, it, it just, it was a place that I, I knew there was a lot of work to be done kind of too, because aside from blogging, I mean, blogging is not really, it's, it, I never wanted to just make money from my blog. It was always just kind of an appendage of what I wanted to do and and I've come to realize that's more tourism development and like destination marketing consulting and stuff like this and this is the perfect place it's kind of especially in Kosovo it's like a blank slate so I just at the end of that burnout and whatever and but I knew I still wanted to do stuff here I just I realized I had to have a base here if I wanted to continue to do anything um, for a lot of reasons and Kosovo. I mean, I and I had every country kind of on the table which one I wanted to be in. But Kosovo just was the easiest. I had the best network here of people and um, the most maybe potential business opportunities. And here I am. <laughs> that's re that's really cool, and uh, I really appreciate that you went somewhere that you know not again not many people know about that needed. Uh, let's call it help, uh, especially with tourism development. And, uh, you know, you, you had to pave your own way, it, it sounds like. And, uh, but, you know, I, I had a interview um, with Gary Arndt, who is a real big time travel blogger and um, one of the top travel photographers in the world. And I asked him, you know, what, why you? Why, is, why are your pictures the best in the world and not other ones from other people who also publish in National Geographic, etc. And he said, well, I just do something, I do something a lot different. I don't, don't go to the same old places that other people do, and I don't take pictures of the same old things uh, that have been seen before that, you know, and he said he got his start island hopping through the South Pacific and uh, going to all these places where nobody had ever seen a picture of that before. So that's, uh, that's really cool. I really, I really appreciate that, Larissa. Yeah, actually, I mean, I don't know if that's... He just interviewed me about the Balkans because he's coming here next, and um, so I'm excited to see what he thinks about it, and I'm really excited that he's going to give some publicity to, to the area because um, it needs it <laughs> really no, bad. That's awesome. That's uh, that's funny that, that you also know Gary. I mean, he's, uh, he's a pretty famous guy, uh, at least in the travel blogging community, but that's cool. I didn't know you guys had a connection. Um, very cool. I, Larissa, I wanted to ask you, okay, so when, uh, when Clinton was in office and I was probably in middle school, I know that we, uh, that the United States launched airstrikes in the region, um, and forgive me, I don't know a whole lot more than that, but could you tell me a little bit, because that's where a lot of the fear uh, comes, because people remember something that happened there in middle school, and they're like, oh God, can't go there, just like our parents uh, probably think of a place where I go all the time, Nicaragua, well, they had a revolutionary war in the 80s, and everybody thinks that lots of parts of Central America America are very, very dangerous. So I was wondering if you could um, dispel a little bit of that or, or at least talk a, a little bit more uh, about what had happened in, uh, not so rec or in recent history. Well, um, I really, I don't like, I said it, I say it in all my interviews, I don't like talking about politics and kind of, I don't like, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a very touchy subject here, but you know, there's been wars in so many countries, and and I mean, think in there, London was bombed. You know, I mean, there was war in London like 50 years ago. But I think because it's so fresh, you know, people it, they think there's and also news spreads faster. And I, I really don't know, but um, 
Yeah, there was conflict here, a really nasty one, and it wasn't just in Kosovo. I mean, it was in um, pretty much every Balkan country except, I mean, uh, you know, Croatia as well. There was really bad fighting and um, Bosnia and, um, yeah, but it's over. And I think the point is to, like, relive it is not... The point is to move forward from that and... Sure. Um, I think that's what that's what I really appreciate about this region is that like you know you don't have pe- the people here are not like oh poor us or this so, like people just are moving forward and moving on with their life and the way they kind of I mean it's not like it's forgotten like it's memorialized beautifully around the region in in some way or another but um, but the point is you can't dwell on the past and stuff so to move forward but. Um, here, for example, like in Pristina, there's, it's not, I'd say Bosnia is maybe the country where you would see the most visible signs of there was war here. But okay. in Pristina, if you never had heard about that on the news or anything and you come here, like, you would never know, probably. But, I mean, most of the fighting occurred in western Kosovo. Luckily, a lot of international aid helped to, to rebuild a lot of the places pretty quick. But, um... But yeah, in general, I mean, there's nothing to be worried about. Like, I don't know how to convey that enough. There's no, no. there's nothing to that that should make you not want to come travel here from, you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Of course, no, and I, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you you saying that. And no, the point is definitely not to get. Uh, too, too political uh, about anything, but also, you know, people do have these concerns, and so to, um, yeah, to try to dispel some of the myths, and uh, that's that's a lot of what we we talk about um, when we travel, and you go to a place, and you want to go there for yourself, and figure it out for yourself, and have first-hand experiences, rather than just hearing what you hear on the media, uh, which the message is often distorted anyhow. So, um, no, I, I appreciate that. I wanted to uh, to also ask you, Larissa, a, a little bit um, about a series you have on your blog uh, with the acronym S-H-A-B-L. And uh, I really like it because it stands for Stop Having a Boring Life. And uh, could you tell us a little bit more uh, about the series or why you chose to tell your blog readers to, yeah, hey, stop having a boring life? No, I, I, I can't, but I can direct you to the person who can. <clears throat> Actually, um, that should be your next interview. Is um, It's a gentleman named Rob who has a blog called Stop Having a Boring Life. And actually, he is the one who kind of first encouraged me to start mine or, like, at least make me think that, like, because I had a Tumblr before, like, one of these, you know, half websites or something. And he kind of encouraged me to actually put effort into it and that I, I did have s- stories to tell and that I, did, I would have an audience if I just put it out there and... So that series was basically, I was a guest blogger on his blog for, um, I don't know, maybe a year or something. And so I just, I put that, you know, I, I put what the writings that I did for him there on my blog. But um, definitely, I mean, don't have a boring life. And <laughs> um, I think I, some of the best posts I did, not best, but I mean, some of the really raw ones, it was when I first started blogging, are those posts because, um, I don't know, I really appreciate it as well, like, that, what that represented, kind of, don't have a boring life and get out of, you know, the, the mold that you think you're stuck in or something like this, and that's that story. No, I, I would recommend with him, actually. I, he's uh, also, he's a blogger, and he's living in... Nicaragua, I think. So you maybe you'll even have a drink with him one day. Yeah, actually, be able to do this in person. That's pretty cool. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to check him out. Um, yeah, no, that's that's cool. Well, I enjoyed uh, a bunch of the the photos that you shared. Um, I guess on his blog as well, but also posted uh, on your blog. Blog, but yeah, I have to I have to check him out. That's that's excellent. Um, did you ever have a boring life, Larissa? <laughs> um. 
you know, I my dad always said this to me, and I just it won't get out of my head. I like boring people get boring. Sure. Boring people get sorry. Boring people get bored. So I mean, I I wouldn't say I've had a boring life, but for sure I've had to go through times where I'm just like. God, is this going to get any better? Or like, you know, am I going to, you know, where you have to, sometimes you have to go through boring to get motivated to do something better. Yeah, that's, uh, that is, that is for sure. What did, what did you do before you, uh, you were a travel blogger? Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I didn't have this typical, oh God, I had, I had, was at the top of my career and whatever business and I just walked away from it no I mean really my my life I I always made traveling a priority so for that I never at first made a career a priority per se so I just I was always just working to save up for my next trip or my next move or whatever but I mean I always was interested I was working in doing marketing or um sort of like uh, I worked at Vivian Westwood, for example, in London, um, fashion. I mean, I worked in all kinds of different things, but I think what those experiences taught me, I mean, first of all, just dealing with all kinds of people, like, I, which is kind of a priceless um, skill to have, especially if you're doing tours, which maybe you know, I don't know if you lead tours yourself, but... Uh, I do, yes. Are you still there, Larissa? So, Hello? so hey, Larissa, I lost you for a minute, but uh, considering we are both <laughs> we are both spread out very far across the world that's bound to happen um, I'm glad I got you back but yes I, I do lead I do lead tours uh, with under 30 experiences this is uh, yeah I kind of had the well a little bit more of, of your typical story spent too much time behind a computer but um, definitely yeah definitely appreciate someone who comes at it from a different who prioritized travel from the very early days um and then i didn't catch what you said after that um i forgot what i said after that but no i mean basically look like i maybe that's was it's it seems like the wrong thing to have done but where it's kind of brought me to in life now the experiences that i gained through that that i'm bringing now to what i'm doing are priceless so um luckily it worked out that way otherwise i would be maybe screwed but i it's it's going well now so um yeah okay cool so you were so you always travel you know you were always a traveler first which which i love uh then you know and you were picking up jobs in london here and there working with people working on marketing so you started to hone this skill set but maybe didn't know that you actually uh, truly could could do this and you had your tumblr and people loved it it sounds like or people liked it at least and then you had was it your one friend um, from stop having a boring life that encouraged you just to hey take the leap or I'm I'm curious as to to your transition because of a lot of our listeners uh, are aspiring travel bloggers and and hearing what they can hearing what they can take from your story or even if they're not aspiring to to travel at all or be a blogger at all I, I would like to hear kind of your approach because everybody has something in the back of their their head uh, that they want to go out and do so I'm, I'm curious as to uh, the details of your story and how you just actually got started or actually made a run at this uh, to make it your career yeah for sure um he was he was definitely the biggest motivator and then that I because I'm not very disciplined and so the fact that he's like do this and then you can uh, you know if you start guest posting on my blog and you know you can promote your new blog and whatever and I was like okay and so it kind of gave me this like accountability like I had to give him something I you know I need deadlines I, I'm very much if you don't give me a deadline well I who knows when you're gonna get it but um yeah, he he was definitely the main one, but it's just so funny. I mean, I, I 
I'm such like a fate kind of person. And coincidentally at that time when I just started getting into the blogger world and finding out who people were, I mean, it was just, I w it was over my head at first, but then I started kind of picking, okay, these people are the more successful ones. These ones are, you know, the ones who I want to follow and, and maybe aspire to be. I mean, this was like maybe, I don't know, less than a year that I thought maybe I would actually just, my blog would be, support me, but I, I, I moved on from that for other reasons. But, um, coincidentally at the same time I met Gary Arndt he randomly passed through like I was living in Malmo Sweden at the time um doing getting studying for my master's and um coincidentally I don't even know what like he was just randomly in southern Sweden um doing a trip so I met up with him like maybe a month later uh, Mike Hodson um from Go See Right uh he was over in Copenhagen and um, like a few weeks or months after that, I don't remember because I was there for two years. Um, cash budget traveler was, uh, in Copenhagen as well. And I, I met them and like, I just, I, I made friends in the industry and they also encouraged me. And, um, the, then I don't know, it's just with anything you do, I mean, it's your network. It's as soon as you start establishing a network, then you feel encouraged and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what happened. And I just, in that time, then there was like the TBEX and the world travel market. And I, I went to all the blogger events and met even more. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of good friends in the industry actually. And, um, but what I love about it is at the end of the day, like, if I didn't have a blog, like, I still would want to hang out with them, you know, like, there's a lot of cool people in, in, who are doing what I'm doing, so, um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm, I kind of have moved, I'm not as regular with my posting and stuff, I'm not, like, a strict blogger, I don't have a schedule, I don't, you know, everything I do is not calculated, it's kind of just raw and authentic, and, I just, I wanted to keep it that way, and I think to make money, sometimes you can't. I think you have to be, go a little corporate if you really, truly want to make money only through your blog, and that's something that I didn't want to sacrifice, was, was the realness of my travels, so, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not making money from my blog. Okay. Basically, no. I'm not making enough money to support myself. I'm making money for sure, but... Not enough to like, you know. I'm not making a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. Some people say they're making. Sure. No. I mean, and that's that's very respectable as well to to keep this as something that uh, that you like to do and that is fun, you know, and that's fun for you and that it's a, a project that yeah, you're not gonna sell out as they say or, or, or something like that. So so that's really cool. And then you work uh, you work in tourism, uh, developing the area. Is that um, is when you say you're working in the region, um, is that what you're referring to? Um, yeah, more or less. But to be clear, just to back up, sure. for sure, I work with companies. I work with travel companies or hotels or whatever sometimes. I mean, but I do it on, I do it with ones that I believe in or we have like a natural partnership. It's not something that's ever forced. It's kind of like something, I mean, like let's say if I'm writing about a hotel, it's something that I like literally picked out myself and said like, I would want to stay there and this is, um, let's see if they want to work with me kind of thing. And the same with like the airlines that I work with, I've, you know, I'm not going to work with like, I don't know, some Asian airline if I'm not writing about Asia, these kinds of things. Right. But, um, what I'm doing here, I actually got a, a nine to five behind the computer job. I don't really, I haven't talked about it on my blog or it's nine to five ish. And it's basically, I'm working at a private university here and I'm helping them to create a tourism center because there's just nothing really being done here with tourism, but wow. there's a need. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a need, but there's also a lot of like donors want to see the, the industry increase because they see a potential, but 
Um, so through the center, I'm able to work with various projects, uh, various development projects, and um, and as well, I mean, I'm a freelance consultant, like I said, with destination marketing and um, and yeah, tourism development. So no, that's yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's really cool to hear, uh, especially because. You know, everybody thinks, oh, you gotta, you gotta make money from your blog. If you want to do it, you gotta do it all the way. Uh, you need to, you know, people want to create this thing that's their, that their cash, that is their cash cow. And uh, yeah, I, I again appreciate that you're not just listening to everybody else um, who's out there in the, the quote unquote blogosphere. And uh, you, you know, you're, you're doing your own thing, but you're able to use that as an amazing tool for you to be able to open doors um, and go to this private university in this destination where uh, you know you decided that you'd love to live and be able to to um, use that to open the door to be able to support you to uh, yeah really have a cool life out there so that's um, yeah no that that's that's really cool yeah but actually I mean I I moved here I I didn't have, I wasn't working there when I first moved here. I just, I moved here and I was just doing freelance writing and still, I mean, I can make enough through my blog and various like freelance writing gigs to live here because it's not expensive, but I, I don't want that. You know, I don't want to, yeah. I'm not like trying to, I want to build a life for myself. So, um, yeah, I, this opportunity just came up because I was asked to speak at a conference and from there they, they grabbed me and um, and yeah, it's just getting started. I mean, I, I really, it's slow. Everything here is slow, and it it's coming up on nine months that I've been here now. So, and I don't see an end in sight at this moment. Actually, it's just I feel I, as the time is going on, the more excited I'm getting about the potential. Because as well, like I mentioned to you, I do I've done tours through the region. And that's something I'm also going to continue to develop. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. No, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's pretty cool. Are you the only American around? Uh, do you have other expat friends, maybe other European uh, friends as well? Um, and do you speak the local language is my other question. That's a good question. Um, no. I mean, I do. There's a, there's a ton of foreigners. Not a ton. I mean, there's much less than there were, like, af immediately after the war. Because immediately after the war, every government sent, you know, a congregation here to kind of help with rebuilding the country and stuff. And there's a huge expat community, though, compared to some of the other Balkan um, countries, capitals. But I'm, I came, I mean, I came here and my network was local, like mostly Albanian. And, um, and no, I mean, to, I tell everyone, I mean, I'm kind of like a unicorn here because no one willingly moves to Kosovo unless they have like an international contract or they are an expat who is coming here. They know they're going to be here for one year, two years or something like this. Like I just moved here and. I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I think a lot of it, it's cool because I think a lot of people want to work with me more for that reason because I am passionate about it. I'm not just here because I have to or I'm trying to take advantage or something. Like, I really want to see this, this country and this region develop. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not special, but I'm just unique in that way. And um, I don't really speak language i mean i can like order a drink and i can like tell you you're stupid and stuff like <laughs> this but i i haven't I, I need to get better at that because um it would help a lot but albanian i mean 90 percent of the population is is albanian so that's kind of the main language that's spoken around and it's very difficult it's very difficult especially in Pristina, they have a different dialect than like what you would get in an Albanian textbook. Okay, and, and do most of the, but most of the people speak English, or there's enough people at least, uh, maybe at the university, of course, who you're working with, who who speak English. Yeah, and I mean, my people do. Like, of course, uh, most of the younger generation do. They they speak 
um, English, a good amount of English. But for sure, like when you get out into the countryside and stuff, it's it's less and it's it will be good to know. I mean, I, I'm it's a challenge, but I will I'm slowly taking it on. And I mean, I know I never expected I didn't think I would ever understand a single word. But now I actually understand quite a bit, but I just I can't speak it. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, you're not going to, uh, yeah, you're not going to become fluent in, uh, in the language in, in just, you know, less than a year that you've been there. So, um, yeah, no, uh, no worries about, no worries about that. Um, I'm curious, Larissa, what type of things that a region needs to develop uh, their tourism? You know, you need, I'm sure, airports and hotels and transportation marketed correctly and those are a couple things that come to my mind but I'm curious as to what the actual nuts and bolts are because uh, I visit so many places around the world especially places that are impoverished that need you know that are beautiful that people would love to come and see and and experience um, but yeah they just don't have the the infrastructure for it you just know well nobody's probably really going to come here um so i'm curious as to what type of things uh, you guys are working on over there well that's it's complicated it's super complicated um which is what makes it interesting i guess but um you know from the the f highest level in this region in particular or in kosovo there's uh, the number one thing is like just lack of information. Why should people come to Kosovo? You know, and they they again trying the negative image that that most people when they hear that name of a country they think of. Um, there's not more like kind of being done to promote all the beautiful things that are here. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that's like at the highest level is just like getting people to realize that there are things to see here, that it's sig significantly cheaper to travel around here than in Western Europe. It is Europe, you know, it's, it's, it's Europe. Um, and yeah, and then it, it goes down to the fact that like, okay, then there's hotels and there are hotels and there's, there is infrastructure, but it's like, it's wild. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, sometimes, like, okay, like the main main bus lines are, uh, they're they're going, they're going when they say they're going and stuff like this. But I mean, there are some places that you have to go to this corner to get a bus. You hop on like a mini bus and it'll take you to this small city that it's worth seeing for tourists. But like to try to explain that to a tourist on the internet right now, you know, like without signage or things like this or a website for this minibus's company, if they even have one, if it's not just like a grandpa who's like, hey, you're fit in my van here, I'll take you. I don't know. You know, it's things like, it's very informal here, I guess is what I'm trying to say and um, in some aspects. And then as well, like with the hotels, there's some great, I mean, there's some hotels that are in great places, and but they just don't know service. They don't know. They're used to Balkan customers. Not that that's bad, but like it's slower. They don't check on you. They're smoking at the table next to you, and some you know at the restaurant. Sure. Things like this that it's not like. I love it. I mean, I find it endearing, and I think that's why, at the same time, you know, you, when you're working in this kind of field, you run the risk of, like, I don't want it to become, like, fake. You know, I don't want it to lose its authenticity, but there's just some small things like this, like, um, yeah, service is, is kind of one of the biggest things, and people who are interested in tourism, even, because it's not... Um, interested to work in tourism i mean like for as in as far as guides go and stuff like this to have a guide in the country um people just don't necessarily see tourism as a sustainable career path and so there's just a real lack of educated people who can show groups around or um that like for example in prashina there's no tourist information office wow this capital of Kosovo. There's tourism information offices in Jakova and Peya, 
and the municipalities kind of have funded that. But it's just, I mean, it's really complicated. Like, there's not one here. And, I mean, the, they had one before and stuff like this, but it's just priorities here are not straight in terms of tourism. There's no plan or strategy. So um, right now it's just kind of muddling through a mess and trying, for me, it's trying to see, like, okay, what are, what, what can be done in the immediate because things here take forever and yeah so it's just little things like this like if someone even if a tourist okay so i fly to pristina easyjet is now flying you know to pristina from some western european countries um what do you do when you arrive in the airport where do you go you know there there's no information like this and so this is what i'm dealing with Sure, sure. No, that that sounds uh, yeah. That sounds like you have quite a challenge ahead of you. Just being here in Costa Rica uh, now for about four years, uh, traveling and and living for for the more majority of that time, I still can get lost going to the San Jose airport because the signage is so poor. And if you go and talk to other countries throughout Latin America, they all, in comparison, Costa Rica is just this developed place for, for tourism, but still sometimes this infrastructure, uh, things just like signs um, really can, can be lacking. And I think that was the perfect term that you used being endearing because, yes, yeah, sometimes I think, oh, well, I like that it's wild. I like the way it is, I don't want it to be overrun uh, with the with the mansions that are starting to pop up. Or I get sad when I go to a couple of the very touristy towns and they're only trying to speak English to me, and you know they they won't even speak in Spanish with me, etc. So um, that yeah, so there there's that that you don't want to lose, but I guess just trying to create the most authentic experience as possible is how we're trying to approach it. Um, but if you have any yeah any tips or advice even for for us or anybody in sustain in sustainable tourism, how you can do that but not losing and you know I don't expect anybody to have the the answer to this, but i'm I'm curious. Uh, yeah, if you have any any tips, what people can how people can try to keep these areas still with that local charm. Yeah, I will let you know. I'm yeah, still please to... do. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, it's you don't have to turn it into Disneyland. You know, like a lot of these tourism projects come in, and and then all of a sudden there's all these shiny new signs, and you feel like you're in, are you in Never Neverland, or exactly. Tomorrowland, I forget, I mean, I grew up in Orange County, this is why I'm, I'm so, again, anti-Disneyification of cities, but, um, I mean, still, like, even for me, that I want this raw, authentic experience, like, I still want to know how I can get from the airport to the center of the city without... Right without having to pay for a taxi, for example. I mean, like, budget and luxury. I mean, all you want to cater to every kind of traveler that can come here. You want to just make it at least possible. I mean, and without, like, stress, kind of. I mean, because they're going to deal with enough stresses, like I said, in the restaurants, maybe, or in other parts. But, I mean, just, to, like, basic getting around and stuff is, that's um, what is the biggest problem here, I think, right now. But... Um, if you're saying that's happening in Costa Rica, I'm, I'm really surprised, actually, because I heard it's it's very developed compared to when I first went there, God knows how many years ago. And it's it's expensive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, relative, relatively. You know, when I went, I went to Colombia a couple weeks ago, and they said, oh, wow, you're in Costa Rica. It must be very developed. Well, it is in, in places, uh, I guess, and yeah, they have infrastructure, but you know, I live in supposedly the second largest attraction, um, it, the second largest area for tourism, which I don't even think is correct, but you know, we have one chain and it's, it's a subway and it's hidden and most of the other stuff is just all really pretty mom and pop and yeah there's there's good outfitters because the adventure tourism is so is so uh 
you know, the zip lining and the whitewater rafting and the sports fishing and the going out on um, to see the dolphins and all the stuff that you can do. You need some infrastructure for that. Like they have to be serious operations just to keep people safe. You know, you don't want to be going on some rinky dink zip line that a couple locals strung up or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, if you're a local driver, you know you know the way to and from the airport. You don't really need signs, but I still need signs. <laughs> you know, like renting a car in Costa Rica is still uh, still an issue. Or I try to stick more to uh, going off the beating path places. But I went to two areas which a lot of people have probably heard of: Nosara and Samara. Uh, last weekend and this is these are big places for surfing and yoga and, and this type of thing and there was a highway highway 150 right where you never see the the actual signs uh, for highway because it's a dirt road and I was cruising along on this quote-unquote highway and then there was a river crossing and I was like I don't think this RAV4 rental car that I have is going to be able to cross this river and I went out and waded in up to my knees and said no this just isn't going to work so but then again that's the endear you know it's a Costa Rica you always use terms of endearment uh with things that happen like that that's what makes it an adventure so there's a certain yeah. there's a certain balance I guess and but uh I, I don't I do want to clarify though I mean like to get to the cities and stuff, the signage is great, and the roads are great to the main artery. You know, the main arteries through this country, at least, are, are great. But, like, you go to Albania, for example, and I think you will run into what you experience, like, quite a bit if you're trying to get to the smaller towns and stuff. But, um, yeah, but it's an adventure, you know. I mean, this region, it's not for everyone, but for the ones that it's for are going to fall in love with it, I guarantee you. That's awesome. That's, that's great to hear. And um, I, I'm sure there, as tourism picks up, that will go to, you know, that will go to feeding a lot of people who are, are probably pretty hungry in the area. I don't know what the level of poverty is in that area of, uh, of Europe, but you know, I'm sure that you'll, that will start to, to make an impact. Is that kind of what people are talking about around, around the region? Because for example, Costa Rica, everybody knows if you get a job in tourism, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be pretty well taken care of. Uh, and that mindset probably hasn't, has not gotten to, to where you are quite yet. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. I mean, Definitely, there's a big emphasis on rural tourism um, because, yes, in the rural areas, there's no other possibilities. And But in Pristina, for example, I mean, unemployment is huge, but I, I mean, I don't see so much poverty here, at least not out in the open. I mean, the families, the family kind of situation here is like everyone you unless you have some like kind of extreme case like you always be taken care of by your family in one way or another you, they'll make ends meet somehow and um in the cities but yeah definitely in the rural areas i think they're they're trying to give more opportunities to people and um uh yeah but it's not i don't know i haven't been to costa rica i don't know how to compare it mm -hmm. actually I haven't been there in a long, long time, and I don't remember when I was there, you know. Sure, sure. No, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, just, just curious because I haven't been to to your region of the world, uh, which is the fun part about having these conversations. Um, so, Larissa, before before we wrap up, uh, we always like to end just with a little advice for any of our any of our listeners out there who want to set out on their own path and go on their own adventure, whether it's starting a business or moving abroad or traveling or absolutely none of that and coming up with some, something completely new and different that people aren't talking about on podcasts. I don't know what that is, but uh, do you have any advice for people who just want to think for themselves and go out and create their own adventure? Definitely keep it real. All right. <laughs> I mean, I just, I feel like, you know, if you, 
it's probably maybe everyone says it on your podcast. I only listen to like one or two, but um, if you follow your passion and if you stick to to what you believe in and you don't try to change it just because you think you're going to get further because of that or or whatever, you're going to be more famous, you're going to have more money. That's the worst way to approach it, kind of. I mean, I think not just for business, but even for an adventure, like, because everyone says, go, you have to see the Eiffel Tower and London and stuff. It doesn't mean you might not have more fun if your personality is better suited for a freaking crazy place like the Balkans. <laughs> um, sure. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, keep it real and um, and follow your heart and it shouldn't lead you too far astray. Larissa, I like it. Uh, you are the blonde gypsy at blonde-gypsy.com. Uh, where else can you be found? I know you have a pretty amazing Instagram as well. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I have a Facebook page, The Blonde Gypsy. I have Twitter. You can email me if you have any questions about traveling around these parts. Um, and yeah, that's it. I mean, of course I have the other ones, but those are the ones I stick to. So I'm most active with. Awesome. Larissa, what's, what's your Instagram handle for anybody who wants to follow you? The Blonde Gypsy. At The Blonde Gypsy. Okay, cool. And uh, if they want to get um, get in contact with you via email, what's the best email to uh, to reach out at? Uh, Larissa at blonde-gypsy.com. And that's L-A-R-I-S-S-A. Awesome. Well, Larissa, it has been a uh, pleasure and lightening me about a, a play, part of the world that I don't know uh, that much about, but now I know a heck of a lot more, and uh, yeah, we're going to keep tabs on you and, and see where you go next. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm curious where your adventure takes you, and uh, if there's anything that we can ever do, let's, uh, let's keep in touch. Hey, did you like today's episode? If you did, log on to iTunes and leave us a review. It would really help us out. We try to put out good, free content all of the time. Check out the show notes on under30co.com. Send the podcast to a friend who could use some of the advice. And of course, if you want to travel with us, check out under30experiences.com and 50% off Athletic Greens on the show notes. Thanks for listening.